the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline. And we are back. The time 6.07 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Two lines open, one 367 Two lines open, one 367 Let me go to line number four and talk with Ty in Oakland. I hope I got that name right. T-A-I. Is that Ty or Ty? Uh, it's Ty. Ty, great. Uh, so, all right, so we got a diphthong going on there. All right, so um, have you called before? Uh, no, it's my first time. Awesome. How long have I've you been, been listening? I've been to your church, though. I've definitely been to your church. Have you? <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. Have we met? Uh, no, we haven't. Okay. All right, holla at me, girl. Awesome. Um, so I have a question. Um, so why do some people think that the sons of God in Genesis 6 and 2 and in Job 1 through 6 referred to as angels and use Jude 6 to answer that question of right. why. That's a beautiful question. And, and so to preface that, what are you working on or working through that you need to kind of get some insight into those three texts? Um, honestly, um, I'm 24 years old and I'm just trying to study my Bible. And mm-hmm. I'm just, for me as a young person, it's difficult for somebody to tell you one thing and then another person tells you another thing and the Bible is supposed to be one thing. It's not, it's supposed to be unchanging. So I'm just trying to get an understanding of why some people say it's angels, why some people say they're not. And I'm, I'm just confused. God's not the author of confusion. That's right. So now here's what happens, Ty. um, And for everyone else out there as well, you will get different interpretations on the text of scripture quite frequently from different camps and different schools, whether in the Christian church or out of it, people who are not, you know, professing Christians will take a stab at interpreting the Bible because it's, it's open to interpretation like all literature is. The, the question would simply be, what are the rules of biblical interpretation is one employing when they give an explanation to a text of scripture? Now, the common... Uh, interpretation that is largely accepted in much of the present Christian era is, as you had stated, that many, uh, many professors and many pastors have uh, asserted that Genesis 6-2, the sons of God, were angels, uh, fallen angels had to be because they couldn't have been good angels to uh, engage in that kind of Uh, if you will, uh, perverse viewing of the daughters of men, because the text is very explicit. It says that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair. The word fair in the Hebrew there is uh, goodly or beautiful. And they took them wives of all which they chose. And immediately they began to launch out into what I would call an alien paradigm of biblical interpretation. Uh, I'm not going to be too long, but I am going to kind of expand for you that presently in our present day, there is a lot of uh, extra biblical notions and ideas about aliens. If you were to watch History Channel right now, they are conflating 
secular science with uh, pagan history uh, and high technological assumptions around aliens as having been the space invaders that have come to Earth uh, during the time of the creation of mankind. I don't know if you ever watch the History Channel, but this is a common uh, thread running through the History Channel about the origins of mankind and the development of human history that what we call gods were really aliens, because the word alien is a very generic term, but it's also very popular in our present culture. So a lot of your historians who like to dabble in uh, religion, uh, uh, you know, comparative religions, along with biblical Christianity, will want to assert that the early uh, pre-Diluvian, pre-flood people thought that they were uh, being in, uh, invaded by gods who told them how the world was uh, was invented and gods who gave them super knowledge and God who gave them skills and technology were really aliens, space aliens. And that's because presently where we're trending right now in our age of technology uh, and in our worldview. This is called a neo uh, uh, sort of a new age culture that we're in where we are explaining away God as a personal divine being who is omnipotent, omniscient and omnipresent, who also is volitional and has characteristics and attributes that are very similar to ours. These are called communicable attributes of holiness and justice and love and mercy, but also wrath and punishment that a lot of our world and its narrative tie is moving away from this personal God and attributing what most of human history has uh, been experiencing, not so much as the visitation of the gods, plural, Elohims, but rather aliens, because we didn't really know how to describe them, and so we called them gods, because we were more religious then. Today, we're more scientific. We are more secular. But let me now move into uh, what I consider a very bad hermeneutical conclusion to Genesis 6-2. First and foremost, you will never read anywhere in the Bible that the sons of God are to be interpreted as fallen angels. Never will the text refer to fallen angels. The Job text that you're using uh, in Job chapter two, and then it further explains it a few chapters down the line. Were you there when the sons of God saying the morning star saying uh, in the book of Job? is a legitimate uh, pivotal interpretation in terms of Satan going among the sons of God. One could take that passage in Job uh, 1 there and in Job 2 referring to either angels, uh, because angels have been known to be part of the creation of God, and they do bear attributes of God as you and I do. So they would be considered like angelic sons of God or angelic uh, divine beings, Uh, Or they could be sons of God in this sense, Ty, that all believers are called sons of God, uh, particularly the males in the patriarchal model from Genesis all the way up through the days of Christ. Once we get into the New Testament, you and I are sons of God. And the term sons of God does not refer to gender. It refers to status and position. I'm sure you follow me with that, right? Yes. 
Okay, so you're a son of God as well as I am, even though you're female and I'm male, because to be a son of God simply means to be of God through Jesus Christ, part of the family of God, as First John chapter 3, verse 1 and 2 says, Beloved, it doth not yet appear what we shall be. Now, beloved, we are now called the sons of God, but it doth not yet appear what we shall be. So sons of God in the Genesis narrative could be simply understood as the true believers that be began to emerge in the days of Enoch and Seth, as we read in the book of Genesis uh, chapter four, that men began to call upon the name of God in the days of Seth. They began to worship God, began to be called by his name. And what that means is they were called sons of God because they worship the true and the living God. The second thing that I would say about Genesis six, two, as to why I would not opt for an angelic, an angelic or a demonic entity as uh, marrying the daughters of men is because Genesis 6, 2 is speaking of categories of people. For instance, the daughters of men there are daughters. They're women. Everybody interprets that as women because the idea is being married and having children, right? Right. Well, the Bible never, ever asserts anywhere that demons can have sexual relationships with human beings. Now, that's in paganism everywhere, Egyptology all the way through Babylonian religions, the Sumerian religions, pagan religions, Hinduism, the, uh, you know, our, our, our Indian religions, all of them hold to uh, the hybrid of sexual relationships with uh, angels and, and men. But the Bible never does it. The Bible never depicts angels, whether good angels or fallen angels as having the byproduct of a biological penis in order to have sexual conjugal relationships with a human being and then inseminate sperm into her womb. And then you have these hybrids called the Nephilim, which is in the next two or three verses, as would be the case. There were giants in the earth in those days also after that, the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bear children unto them. And the, the, the same became mighty men, which were men of old uh, and renowned. Uh, the idea that demons can inseminate with sperm into the womb of a woman, uh, the Bible doesn't play hard and fast with mixing categories like that. It has to be viewed as the sons of God, that is, those who understood who the true and the living God was, were tempted by the beauty uh, and fairness of the daughters of men. But because the daughters of men were not true believers, their relationships ended up producing a seed of men and women who became more secular and more powerful and more prominent and tied. That is exactly the warning all through the Bible. Don't become unequally yoked. And I would assert that both in national Israel as well as in America, both nations have been the product of the apostate religious church marrying and intermingling with the secular culture so that over time the gospel is abandoned and all we have is a form of godliness denying the power thereof. And many of our renowned men, our giants, our rulers grew up in the church, but never ever were true believers. And because their whole state was in power and control and in dominance, they ruled the world and they pretend that they're believers, but in reality they are apostates. And what Genesis 6 is describing 
is a second fall of humanity after the fall of, of Adam and Eve. If you remember in Genesis 3, Eve looked upon the tree having been deceived by the serpent, and she saw that the tree was good. Do you remember that? Yeah. That's the same Hebrew construction here as in Genesis 6, 2. As the daughters, as the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and yet it was prohibited for them to marry ungodly women, as First Corinthians and six, Second Corinthians 6 says, do not be unequally yoked. They were violating categories. They were violating categories for they should have stayed married, marrying women who were actually godly. But they married the ungodly women and the ungodly women held to their pagan ways. And they ended up raising hybrid children who really did not worship God. Now, this occurred again in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah, where the children of Israel had married among the pagans. And Nehemiah had to actually uh, cause the men to divorce the women because the children that were growing up were not growing up under the teaching of the truth and the living God. Now, this interpretation that I'm giving you is more consistent with the tenor of the Bible. But the one that you've heard before about the Nephilim being these big 12 foot, 20 foot giants and and being the product of devils and, and human beings, that fanciful interpretation is never uh, perpetuated or advanced in the Bible at all. You don't see that anywhere in your Bible. You don't see the violation of what God said in Genesis 1 and 2. Let every seed-bearing herb bring forth fruit of its own kind. You don't see God mixing categories like we're trying to do today in our culture where we're violating the parameters of male and female, that binary, sexual, uh, immutable uh, distinction between male and, and female, And in our world, according to Leviticus and our present day, human beings are mixing with animals. And pretty soon we're going to be mixing it up with robots. Ain't no doubt about that. But we will never, ever be able to produce a hybrid of human beings. Now, what will occur? And I'll let you go with this, is that demons, which are fallen angels, they're never called sons of God. So the, 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 the Christian pastor that's holding to the idea that angels can inseminate women and have a seed, he's referring to fallen angels. He cannot be referring to godly angels. Godly angels would never do that. They would never mix categories. And Jesus said in Matthew 22 that angels do not marry nor are given in marriage. They do not proliferate because they don't have the sexual apparatus for that. Are you following me so far? Yeah. Right. So when somebody says, well, these are the offspring of angels and humans, you would have to say where else in the Bible that it would even remotely demonstrate that kind of violation of the Genesis narrative. Let every seed bearing herb bring forth fruit of its own kind. If angels cannot uh, proliferate among themselves, why do we think they can proliferate among the human race? This is paganism inserted into the biblical text. So I hope that helps you a little bit. Yes, it did. Thank you. Now, let me say one more thing about the Jude text, since you got me. Right. The Jude text is dealing with uh, a violating of the categories as well. But the violation of the categories, according to Jude, when it says, just as they did in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, giving themselves over to strange flesh. Mm-hmm. giving themselves over to flame, str- strange flesh is not about uh, angelic beings giving themselves over to human beings, but about the sodomites in those days who wanted to have sex 
with what they thought were real men, but were angels. If you go back to the Genesis 19 text, they thought that they were men. Remember, they said, bring the men out to us so that we might have sexual relations with them. They weren't thinking, mm, right. ooh, ooh, we got some angels here. We can get it on now all night long. No, they were thinking that they were other men. Oh, okay, okay. Got and you, and got here's you. the last part with that. It's very important given the culture you and I live in. Right. Here's the last part. It's very important. This is very important. I can take it to a whole nother level on a larger church level, larger gospel level, larger political level, larger social level. For God, sex with strange flesh is any kind of sexual activity that goes on outside of the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman. Because it's non-covenant sex. So it's like sleeping with any dude or sleeping with any woman or sleeping with any anything. It's all strange because it's not covenantal. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so we've gone from fornication among heterosexuals to homosexuality, bisexuality, uh, 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 lesbianism, uh, pederasty, pedophilia. Uh, bestiality and a whole category of sexual activities outside of the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman. And for God, it's all pornea. It's all fornication. It's all sinful. It's all going after strange flesh. The moment we have sex with somebody outside of covenant, it's strange. And I wouldn't have any doubt, Ty, that uh, demonic powers are behind some of this ferocious drive for fornication that dominates our world and many in the church. Thank you for the call. Bless you, girl. I've got to take a break. one 367 One line open. When I come back, I'll catch you, Keith, Tanisha, uh, Tanisha, as well as Deb. If I can, one 367 Take the notes you heard because you got actually a solid biblical theology hermeneutic on the subject of the sons of God this time. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back at the time, 631 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Let me see here. Let me go to line number three and talk with Keith in San Jose. Keith, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi, Jesse. Thank you for taking my call. Yes. Uh, first time I've called. Okay. Um, here's where I'm kind of struggling a little bit. We were talking about politics. Mm-hmm. And the thing I'm noticing in the Christian church mm-hmm. is we compartmentalize politics. I agree. And so we don't really have an honest, open discussion about it. And I know you referenced the president twice mm-hmm. um, prior to this. I, I kind of want to know, do you feel like you held like President Clinton to the same standard? Absolutely, 100 uh, percent. I did. I held him to the same standard, Keith, because I actually recognized similarities between Clinton and um, and um and, and, and President Trump relative to the, the 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 running for presidency when all of the scandals and issues came out. Were you around at that time with President Clinton? Oh, yeah. Right. Yes, I'm at 57 years in California. So, okay, right. Yes, so I definitely remember it. Right. So if you were if you have been listening to me for, let's say, the last two or three or four years, um, you would have caught a pattern with me in my addressing politics. And that pattern is really simple. 
<clears throat> I don't really judge candidates on the grounds of their political party affiliation because I, I'm, I'm very suspect of both uh, the liberals and conservatives, the Republicans and the Democrats on a number of levels. We could talk about that at another time. But I will certainly judge a man on his moral ethical values. And what I saw in Clinton back in the 80s, I knew that I, he wasn't getting my vote because I, I was fundamentally convicted that he did not carry the standard necessary to be the president. Um, once we got through all of that crazy around him uh, and what was going on in Arkansas and all of the women that came forward and he still became president, uh, uh, Keith, I began to do deep research on the history of American presidents and, and began to recognize the uh, hagiography or the whitewashing of history around previous presidents such as John S. F. Kennedy with the kind of uh, uh, philandering that he did, as well as other presidents that, you know, politics knows how to clean up the image uh, and make them look good uh, for their own advantages. And then I realized there's a trend going on here. Well, we made our way through the bushes, and and I'm conservative, uh, but I'm not Republican. I used to be, but I didn't care about the hypocrisy that came through the Republican Party uh, and a lack of promises being fulfilled uh, to its American citizens while it was pursuing a one-world global agenda, uh, particularly uh, J.W.H. Bush, George Herbert Bush, and then uh, uh, G.W. after him with the Iraq War uh, and many things of that nature. Again, we could talk about that in a further program. But when it came to Donald Trump, I wasn't concerned at all with whether or not he was going to win. I see populism, popularism working for him, but everybody that listens to me on this program understood that I wasn't going to vote for him on merely the grounds of what I heard coming out of his own mouth, what I saw particularly concerning all of the uh, video clips and narratives, news narratives of his history and upbringing, and what I knew about him prior to him even running and his, you know, jumping from woman to woman, hither and yon. Um, And I would hear from Christians, well, we're not hiring a commander and priest. We're not hiring, uh, you know, a pope. Um, And I go, okay. well, you can make that kind of statement if you want to. But I I think our country is in a lot of danger when we um, are clearly aware of the scandals, particularly in the area of sexuality uh, with women, uh, particularly professing to be a a married man with children, that we are somehow going to let him be the standard. But Keith, I'm 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 fairly sure that politics both on the left and the right today, is so utterly corrupt, so utterly corrupt, that it does not care about inconsistencies at this level, of which you are now you know, calling me on the carpet, and I'm thankful that you do. <laughs> so what you heard me saying simply was this, that with the Kavanaugh hearings and everything that went on around him, if you were a Republican, you were hoping that he was innocent. With the uh, scandal that's going on with the men in Virginia right now, if you are Democrats, you're hoping that uh, Justin Fairfax is innocent. But the reality is, for me, um, that there are very few innocent politicians today who don't scratch backs, who don't uh, do bargains, who don't uh, engage in criminal activity because our politics is so corrupt through and through. And this is not simply my opinion, even though my opinion 
is valuable to me as yours is to you, Keith. But this is for me knowing politicians who have been in the business and gotten out of the business and has told me horrific things about what goes on in politics. And uh, the media uh, is complicit in making this stuff looks like it's all above board when there are major, major evils going on behind the scenes. So now I'm going to give you the last word on this. Keith, are you there? Keith going once, Keith going twice. Let me just say this to Keith and I'll go to my next call. Love for you to continue listening, but you're never going to hear me voting one way or the other for the parties. And I, as I already believe that they both are big time wrestlers getting in the ring getting everybody to pay money, join sides, you'll pick your politician, and then they go and have drinks afterwards because they have hoodwinked the American people largely. Let me go to line number two and talk with Tanshia in Hayward. Tanshia, are you there? Tanshia, going once. Tanshia, going twice. Tanshia, going three times. Let me go to line number four and talk with Tina in San Francisco. (laughs) Tina? Let me go to line number Tina, Tina going once. Hi. All right. You got to cut your radio down. I'm sorry. It's I okay. Turned it. Okay. How are you? Um, the re- I'm so sorry. Um, thank you for getting my call. Uh-huh. And I haven't um, heard all of your, um, the, the topic. Yes. But um, I did hear you talk about um, robots. And mm-hmm. I was just wondering your opinion um, on that about the near future, um, I'm hearing a lot of people talking about they think they're going to take over the human race. Uh-huh. And so um, I wanted to know the biblical um, stance on that and also your opinion as well about that, if that happens, uh, because I am seeing them everywhere now. And it's I wish there was a law that it could stop, the scientists could stop making these. Mm-hmm. Right. So are you a believer? Yes, I am. I'm a growing believer. I'm... I'm um, I'm still growing. Yeah, me too. Me too. I am. We shouldn't. We shouldn't ever not be growing. Uh, with regard, right. with, re, with regards to artificial intelligence, um, I'd love to have another show on that uh, at length because this is a huge issue, Tina. I mean, a massive issue, um, and we have to be able to distinguish between the sci-fi fiction movies and narratives that we get online, internet, and all over the world around the dangers of artificial intelligence. We have to distinguish between those claims, arguments, and warnings, which have some validity. But on the other hand, they're part of the hype. These are balloon tests to get people wrapped up in certain fears and phobias because that's just the way our dark, sinful world works. Uh, the angelic hosts love to bring humanity into bondage through lies. That's his job. He is the great deceiver, and he deceived the whole world through fear and through lies. But let me say this. Artificial intelligence, AI, has been with us for a, a number of years and, and just in the basic uh uh you know components of a of a of a clock or a uh cell phone or uh back in the day um uh, automobiles that operate with governors and and computers all of those are artificial intelligence design devices that have done us well served us well and we're going to be with them continually we will have devices that will serve us excellently in terms of voice command and them doing what we say, albeit they will also have flaws, they will also have weaknesses, but they will generally serve us well with the exception that 
uh, all artificial intelligence is, is a reflection of who we are because it's input data that we place there with the ability for them to work through algorithms and different kinds of uh, uh, complex technological uh, gonads, I'll use that term, for them to be able to anticipate outcomes, which is a human type of, of uh, 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 attribute as well, so that they will be making judgments as to what should be done and what should not be done. Uh, in some cases, uh, uh, Tina, better than human beings. We use them on airplanes. We use them on cars. Now we use them on ships. We use them everywhere. Uh, and we are flying all over the world to the tunes of thousands of flights, tens of thousands of flights in the air every day. And because of artificial intelligence, we don't have near about the accidents that we would with human error. So I want to quell any kind of uh, overly uh, unfounded fear around artificial intelligence with this one exception. At a certain point, mankind will be he will be so rebellious against submission to an ultimate authority. That is a divine authority. That is God's authority. Uh, because he will want to be God. That's just the, that is the dark principle that Satan sowed into the hearts of mankind from the beginning, that we will want to be God and therefore will use our God-given abilities in a way that will seek to try to completely extirpate or exterminate God from the equation. But it's going to turn in on our own heads only because... There are spiritual entities that the human race neglects to acknowledge. Uh, We will all want to go to heaven. You won't meet hardly anyone that says when they die, they don't want to go to heaven unless, of course, they don't believe in it at all. But no one wants to go to hell. But no one wants to talk about devils or demons or deception on a massive level to the degree that if we don't have God helping us and guiding us through the negotiating of choices in our life, we absolutely will remain deceived. And one of the best kept secrets that the devil is uh, very much successful at in the secular world is that he doesn't exist. You don't hear him as a narrative anywhere. You hear the secular world, Tina, talking bad about God, blaspheming God, mocking Jesus, uh, you know, distorting and abusing the uh, the role of angels. Everybody got a good angel. But Satan doesn't even exist in the narrative of the world. That means he's winning because the world does not believe in a great deceiver, a mass deceiver, a corrupter of the mind and the heart, a person, an entity who is powerful enough through propaganda and uh, the, the legions of angels that he has to manipulate us into denying biblical truth and denying biblical morality and ethics and creating a condition in which mankind are like animals. And we're at the point where if he can have his way, as you had heard, earlier heard me intimate, that uh, we will be hybriding human beings with artificial intelligence. And it will all be under the rubric that we can live longer, we can live better, we can run faster, we can have greater sex. All that's in the equation as right now we have artificial um, uh, female dolls and artificial male dolls. I was just going to say that's that's what I was talking about. I should have clarified it. I you didn't need to. I knew what you were talking did. about. I knew what you were talking about. Oh. I was giving the larger picture because there is oh, a bigger okay. picture than just the sexual right. connotation. All it, right. It's a right. bigger picture. Now, I would simply encourage you and everyone listening 
to really uh, be rooted and grounded in God's word and where fears come up, really seek to understand that God um, is the one who restrains evil in our world. That will be Second Timothy chapter, Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And you can call me back in the future because I'd love to talk more about it with you. Uh, he is the one that restrains any overwhelming calamity that occurs in our world. He restrains it. So the believer doesn't have to worry about the world being blown up, the, world, the universe being uh, completely destroyed, uh, legions of iRobots like in the, bo- in the movie, you know, with Will Smith. Uh, just taking over the world. That's not going to happen under God's watch. But if God is so pleased to remove his church from this world and give this world over to a period of absolute calamity, he may uh, allow many things to occur on that level of darkness and tribulation before he finally judges humanity. But if you're a believer in Christ, you will be protected from any kind of um, destruction of your soul. Um, so make sure you are under good teaching and that you have a clear understanding of uh, how the world will progress how the world will develop, how the world will end from a biblical standpoint so that you don't have to be paralyzed by that kind of fear. And please call me again in the future. We can talk a little bit more about this crazy um, leaving the male and female boundaries of human beings and opening the door for intimacy and relationship with robots. And it really goes to show you how jacked up we are in our head and our heart when we are going to prefer robots over human beings. Right. But, but that's what okay. happens. Thank you. Bless you. That's what happens, you guys, you. when we um, when we give ourselves over to this kind of darkness. I'm going to take a break. And then we're going to close with my good friend. I want to give you guys some good news, particularly you ladies on the DOG coming up this Saturday. I will be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we're back. We've got about 10 minutes at the most. Let me see here, maybe seven or eight. Let me go to line number three and talk with Deborah in Castro Valley. Deborah, are you there? I'm I'm here, Pastor. All right. We're going to have to expedite this conversation only because we are coming in late. So um, we're talking about an event coming up this Saturday, which many of our our listeners have heard you and I discuss before called the DOG or the Daughters of Grace, which is which is an event that uh, is open to all of our um, local churches and brothers and sisters and particularly sisters who um, many of them do join us uh, whenever we have uh, a, a Daughters of Grace gathering. And this Saturday will be our next one. That will be um, February, what, 21st? February 16th at 10 o'clock. Oh, February 16th at, at 10 o'clock. Okay. Yes. So uh, tell us tell us about this one. I'm excited about it, but give us some details about what this particular gathering for our sisters will be about. I'm very excited about it as well, Pastor, and we'll be presenting a message entitled, Our Purpose Being About My Father's Business. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to address perhaps the most important question any of us could ask, and that is, what is my purpose? Mm-hmm. And am I walking in it? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you as a pastor have had many people ask you, how do you know 
what your purpose is. How do you know what your gifts are? And so we'll be unfolding questions such as that on um, this Saturday. Mm -hmm. Closely connected to our purpose is our desire, is our vision, our gifts, our calling, our lives. And it is God's intention for us to have a fulfilling life, a gratifying life that is filled with success. Um, but that, on this, uh, uh, at the same time, that is the very opposite of what the enemy would want us to have. Amen. He would like us to not have a purposeful life. Mm-hmm. He would like to kill and steal and destroy all that comes with a purposeful life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the area of um, the the main topic, you are right. Uh, most conscientious Christians who really do want to enter into the promises of God and enjoy God's blessings relative to God's promises, which he lays out in his word, he really does have our best interest in view uh, simultaneously to or with his own goals being worked out in our life, which is inherent in your title, being about our father's business, is uh, what it means to uh, walk in our purpose. And frequently, uh, men and women do not really know what their purpose is. They don't know what their calling is. They don't know what their gifts are. They don't know what what kind of uh, desires should be driving their life. They're very frequently uninformed at this level in which we are discussing. And what you stated about the adversary, uh, conversely, making sure that men and women of faith are so diminished in their understanding of who God is, their understanding of what his will is, and their understanding of who they are in God, so that their desires do not connect with their calling, and their calling does not connect with God's purpose, and therefore does not connect with their life. And they know, Deb, intuitively, there's something missing. There's a disconnect here. There's a lack of clarity, yeah. a lack of satisfaction. And in many cases, uh, the opposite is going on in, in people's lives. They don't know their purpose. They are not living the life of God at the fullest. They are not clear, and, uh, and, and they are quite in bondage as opposed to what God would have for them. Absolutely. And ironically, you can be... Uh, have what you feel is a very fulfilling life that's actually really busy and it seems full, but you're not at all functioning in your purpose. Right. Right. We, and, and so Saturday's intention is to bring about clarity, is to bring about focus, right. is to bring about um, exactly what steps and processes and tools and resources one can use to to find out what their purpose is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, the word purpose is a big term in the Bible, and it's been a big term in the Christian church for years. Uh, Rick Warren, you know, made a ton of money. Uh, he didn't take it personally for himself, but he made a ton of money on the purpose-driven life. And that's because that's, that's because that topic uh, has always been very critical in the life of people who, by nature, are to be missional. That is, believers are called to be missional. 
we all know that. We all know that God called us to purpose. That's Romans 8, 28. All things are working together for good to them that are the called of God, to them, you know, that love God and are the called of God, that we are operating out of a a calling that is calling us to purpose, but we don't know how right. to define that purpose. We don't know how to clarify it. We don't know how to embrace it. We don't know how to walk in it. And I think what you're saying is that that's what we want to tackle this Saturday. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And purpose is what gives life definition. Agreed. Purpose is a plan. It's a set of goals. It gives life meaning. And I think that everyone wants that in their life. Yep. But how do you go about it? Yep. What is the process? What are the steps? Yep. What are the strategies involved to to begin to begin to unfold that that process for your life. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it um, because I'll be refreshed. Because really, this is not even a um, this is not even a male female topic. Although I'm looking forward to our sisters gathering and our friends, our young daughters and our young adult daughters, and you know middle aged daughters and our senior sisters gathering around this topic. I'm looking forward to it. But you know, Absolutely. it's it's a male it's a male female topic as well, isn't it? It absolutely is. It absolutely is. Everyone has a purpose. When God created us, he created us for a purpose. Agreed. He created us the way we are, specifically for something that he has us to do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the purpose changes. Yep. It was one time one thing, and now it can be something totally different. Mm. But we all have a purpose. Yeah, and so you... the question is, are you walking in your purpose or are you unclear about what your purpose is? And if that's the case, then you're in the wilderness of purposelessness. Wow. Yep, 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 yep. It makes sense to me. Two things you stated, uh, and we only have about a minute to go, but two things you stated. You said um, that people can be living an apparently fulfilled life, but it's not at all corresponding with the purpose for which God has called them, which means there's going to be a vacuum in their soul somewhere that indicates that. Absolutely. And then secondly, and then secondly, you said that it's possible to be walking in a kind of purposelessness that puts you in a wilderness state, which is a kind of spiritual um, uh, fog and a spiritual um, sort of uh, unsatisfied, uncultivated, unproductiveness that that really can bring a person into despair at length about their walk with God. And we, we want to address that, don't we? Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. This is going to be a, a very exciting day on Saturday. I can only imagine how uh, the ladies will feel, both both younger ladies and older ladies will feel about leaving with some clarity um, uh, for their life. As they go into 2019, I'm sure all of us want to finish well. But in order to finish well, we need to start well. And in starting well, we need to be informed. We need to be clear. We need to be goal-centered. All right. I got to shut it down right there. You have done a great job in letting us know what's going on this Saturday at 10 o'clock at Grace Bible Church. And every woman under the hearing of our voices right now are welcome to join us this Saturday at 10 o'clock. Great fellowship, breakout sessions to talk about at length what we are dealing with and then food and fellowship afterwards so that we can uh, enjoy um, a good time around the Word of God and this very important topic. Thank you, Deb. See you Saturday. Yep.
I think we are at the end of our program. There we go. My brother did well behind the scenes running this plane. We will see you on next Monday. And I want to encourage all of you ladies to remember, put it on your calendar to join us this Saturday. Everything's free. Everything's free. Just join us. It's going to be a great time. Until then, God bless you. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.